so uh, good to be with you again tonight for another podcast, video, series, whatever you want to call it, called Your Questions, God's Questions. And uh, tonight we've got an interesting one that we are going to look at, uh, the question of what is God's book of life? And can your name be blotted out of the book of life? This is a question that is often asked, a very difficult question to answer. Uh, but I'm going to help you to explore this subject a little bit tonight uh, and uh, give you some tips as to how to look at a difficult passage or subject in the Bible uh, the right way. So uh, I would invite you to hit the share button. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and get notifications when we have new content. Uh, I always try and make these broadcasts user-friendly and um, good for people who are not Christians at all, who um, are interested and uh, who might find us on the internet and might wonder what we're all about. And uh, we're part of City Point Church, obviously, and I'm the pastor. We have started meeting again back at Cineplex Distrante uh, in Brossard. And uh, almost every week we've met, um, oh, I don't know, in, in the month of May and even in, uh, starting from Easter, uh, just about every week. But we've, we've kind of eased ourselves into it uh, because it costs money to rent the theater. And um, so, you know, trying to see the, the, the budget and the revenues go back up, uh, they went down, obviously, during COVID, uh, but we're, things are picking up, and uh, starting the 30th of May, uh, assuming uh, uh, the pandemic uh, numbers start to, con- or continue to, uh, to decrease, we will be meeting every Sunday. Uh, so we had a, had a great April so far, or a great May so far, and uh, this coming May 23rd, Sunday, we will be streaming only. Uh, we will use the Cineplex location, but only for a stream, and uh, we save money that way. And then starting the 30th, we'll be right back there, uh, and God willing, every single Sunday morning. And some of you are saying, of course, God's willing, Pastor. Well, you know what I mean when I say that, and uh, that's the plan. So, um, yeah, and on the 30th of May, we will have a special guest speaker, Pastor Charles Porter, who attends our church with his family, will be speaking and just jumping right into our series on the book of Hebrews called Losing My Religion. So uh, the 23rd was the stream, and the 30th, it's live, uh, in person, I should say, uh, with the stream. We stream every single Sunday. Everything we do is streamed now, and we're cognizant of the fact that people, you know, are, some people are going to wait uh, before they attend in person, and some people were just reaching online, period. So we do everything that we do in person, we do online. And uh, so welcome tonight, okay? And I'd invite you to use the comments section for questions. doesn't have to be related to tonight's content. And uh, prayer requests, if you like. I always pray at the end, just briefly, as we close. So uh, the question tonight is about the book of life. What is it? Can your name be blotted out of it? Uh, great question. Now, I'm going to use the banners for um, the scripture verses tonight because I, I'm doing this kind of impromptu here. Uh, so you'll see things pop up at the bottom of your screen for scripture verses for you to take a look at. We first see this uh, uh, phrase, the book of life, in the book of Exodus. And the person who asked the question 
was uh, tuning into our Sunday mornings, and uh, we're in the book of Hebrews, and there's references in the book of Hebrews to the time when the Israelites were in the wilderness after they had left Egypt, and they began to rebel, and uh, rebel against Moses, rebel against God. And in Exodus chapter 32, you have a famous rebellion where they constructed a golden calf. And uh, Moses is up on the, on the mountain obtaining the law and the Ten Commandments. And briefly stated, he comes down and uh, there's quite a sight. And um, Aaron is implicated in this. He makes excuses, uh, but it's it's an awful sight. And Moses smashes the tablets, and uh, you, you can read all about it in Exodus chapter 32, but you look at the back end of the chapter, and Moses is petitioning with God, um, trying to, I mean, there's going to be judgment here. So... Um, I'll read from verse 27. Uh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is the uh, what happens uh, in the camp because of the rebellion. It's quite, it's quite something, quite violent. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. Very violent scene. Um, and this is the sort of purging uh, that is taking place here. Uh, remember the time, remember the culture, uh, but it is a very violent scene. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day ab about 3,000 people died. Very, very disturbing, very violent scene, but this is what happened. And then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Imagine, uh, the people rebel intensely against God, against Moses. There is this moment of justice and wrath where 3,000 people lose their lives. I mean, it's, it is a grotesque, violent purging. Um, and again, remember the time and the culture. Now, maybe another day we'll deal with uh, violence in the Bible, and violence in particular in the Old Testament, uh, which is where people have most of the complaints. And how do you deal with this? This is one of those passages. It's quite disturbing. Uh, in any case, we move on. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin. These people have committed, they have made themselves gods of, of gold, uh, themselves gods of gold, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, here it is, then blot me out of the book you have written. And then the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go. Lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people uh, because of the golden calf. Very, very, uh, oof, very violent, very disturbing scene. But the 
uh, part that sticks out for our purposes tonight is this book, God's book. And Moses is seemingly interceding and saying, if you don't forgive them, then take my name out of the book. Um, and God says, well, I'll take out whose names have sinned. The question is, what is this book? Is this some sort of um, image for uh, some sort of spiritual registry of the people who are redeemed and the people who are uh, going to heaven? What is it? And that is a very tough question to answer. The passage itself is very, very difficult to to reckon and to deal with uh, just because of the nature of it and the violence in it. Uh, but this is also a conundrum to figure out what this book is. Apparently Moses knew what it was, and of course God knew what it was. But on the other side here, you know, centuries and centuries later, we're left scratching our heads saying, what is this? So what do you do when you run into something like this in the Bible? Well, I'm going to help you with this. And, um, oh, I see some comments have come. Let me take a look here. God bless you, Joelle. And uh, yes, I'm doing good. And welcome tonight. So let me show you uh, what you would do with this. What you want to do is, I'm, I'm going to hold up an old-fashioned tool here. This is a... Uh, what they call a concordance and it's a big old book now now you can get these things electronically but they're very helpful and what a concordance does is it will tell you every single time a particular word appears in the Bible it will code that word to a, a, a number and that number uh, refers to the exact word in the manuscripts that we have of the Bible. So Old Testament would be primarily Hebrew, New Testament would be Greek. So if I look up, you know, this phrase, book, just the word book, it's going to give me every single reference of the English uh, translation of the word book, and it will tell me uh, where it appears, every single chapter, every single verse, give me a little snippet of the phrase, and then I can go digging and say, all right, what is this book? Is this the book of life? Uh, we get that term, the book of life, primarily from the book of Revelation, where it appears the most. But what is it? So what I do is I just say, okay, let's look up book, and let's look up every single relevant passage and see what can we find. Well, uh, the next instance of this refers is referred to in Psalm 69 and verse 28. So you flip over to Psalm 69, verse 28. This is uh, a psalm of David. He's in trouble. Uh, this is regarded as a messianic psalm, by the way, that he is speaking on behalf of the Messiah. It is quoted in John 15, John 2, Romans 15, Romans 11, Acts chapter 1. It's quoted all over the place in the New Testament uh, because the figure uh, that David is speaking on behalf of uh, through the Holy Spirit is uh, the Messiah. And this is the way that the writers of the New Testament interpreted this. 
And um, you see things like zeal for your house consumes me. This is referred to when Jesus cleanses the temple. And so you want to take a look at Psalm 69, quite interesting, uh, and think of it as referring to the Messiah. But here in verse uh, 20, uh, 28, there, I'll leave it on your screen there, uh, verse 28, we have this passage here. Um, and these are the people who are against David. Um, may the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent over. Again, he it's a, it's a little bit of an imprecatory psalm. In an imprecatory psalm, uh, the psalmist is, is wanting God to judge his enemies. And again, this, this psalm is, is prophetic in that it's speaking of a messianic figure. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime do not let them share in your salvation strong strong words verse 28 may they be blotted out of the book of life hmm. and not be listed with the righteous i am in pain and distress may your salvation O god protect me this little passage may they be blotted out of the so-called book of life now apparently david knew what it was seems to be some sort of um uh registry of the righteous listed with the righteous so you take exodus chapter 32 you take psalm 69 and this this passage this phrase uh, God's book, the book of life, God seems to control it. He seems to be the author of it, and it seems to be very, very serious. Uh, another passage that may be alluding to this, Psalm 139 and verse um, uh, 16. This is a beautiful psalm that talks about the nature of and the characteristics of God. And in verse 16, uh, verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. He's addressing God here. Uh, before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. So here you've got another reference to this book, and it's a very, uh, uh, it's very dramatic. Um, all the days ordained for me were written in your book, God. Uh, it's this sense of... Um, destiny, this sense of um, God ha has it planned for him, uh, God knows him, his name is in God's book, that's Psalm 
139. You don't see it again until the New Testament, and uh, then you see it in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. So this is a long time after the Psalms and, uh, of course, the Exodus. Um, But here's where it is, and Paul just drops it in here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. I plead with uh, you, uh, sorry, Yudia, and I plead with Sintike, seems to be two women who were arguing in the church in Philippi, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, local yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So he's addressing people, specific people in the church in Philippi. Seems to be an argument that he wants solved on the one hand, and then he just drops this in, that there are fellow workers of his whose names are in the book of life. Seems to be a good thing to have your name in it. Seems to be a very serious thing to have your name taken out of it. Uh, This much we can put together so far. And the last times we see this thing is in the book of Revelation. And I have the verses all on your screen there. Uh, And this is primarily where people get the concept, is from uh, the book of Revelation. So to the church in Sardis, um, we see this. Uh, You have a few people who have not soiled their clothes. They walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. This is Jesus speaking through the pen of most likely John as he's exiled on the island of Patmos. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, this concept of uh, it's Jesus has a, has a book. Seems to be that the book of God is the book of Jesus also, and it is the book of life. And uh, the, those who, who overcome will not be blotted out of this book. I mean, imagine back in their time, some sort of parchment, some sort of book, and blotting something out of it, erasing it. Uh, and these people seem to have an understanding that God had them uh, in, I, I don't know if they're thinking of a literal, actual book, but certainly the idea that God keeps good records, that God is a great accountant, uh, that God knows every person, that God um, knows all of his own. And uh, they certainly wanted to be in this book. They didn't want to be blotted out of this book. It's very, very dramatic, very serious, very powerful statements here. Uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. Uh, this is a famous chapter because it has the, the mark of the beast in it. 
Uh, but before you get to this Mark of the Beast stuff, um, uh, you see this, he was given, verse 7, power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. This is a beast. We're not sure if this is the Antichrist, a false prophet. It depends on your particular view of Revelation. Um, all inhabitants, uh, sorry, he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. And all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Oh boy, this is even deeper. Uh, so here, uh, the people who are not in the book of life are uh, uh, the subject of the attack uh, of the beast, and they worship the beast. Everybody does whose names are not written in the book of life. It seems to be referring to the saved and the unsaved, the people who, who know the Lamb, who know Jesus. Uh, the Lamb is an image for Jesus there, and people who don't. And the people who don't will worship this beast, whoever or whatever he or it is. Uh, but those who who don't worship him are those who are in the book of life. It belongs to the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. That's a reference to Jesus. So that's Revelation 13, 8. Uh, Revelation 17, 8. It appears again. Um Again, this is uh, uh, the chapter is the woman on the beast. Could be a reference to uh, uh, Babylon here. Uh, again, we're not doing a <laughs> revelation study here. We're just picking uh, verses to try and follow this theme of the book of life. Uh, verse, uh, verse 8, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because he once was, now is not, and yet will come. Cryptic language there, very typical for apocalyptic literature. But again, you see this. There's people whose names have not been written in the book of life same seems to be the same book as referred to in Revelation 13, and it seems like these people are somehow deceived uh, by this this beast. So again, serious stuff, serious language. And then you get to Revelation chapter 20, and uh, this is moving to the end of the book of Revelation, and there's a series of judgments that are pictured here. Uh, verse 11, Revelation 20, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded 
in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Oh my goodness, I mean, that is strong, strong language. Then verse chapter 21 and verse 27, uh, we're almost done with it. Um, this is the uh, New Jerusalem, and uh, those who may enter and those who may not enter, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And Revelation 22, verses 18 to 19. You know, as I read these verses, I mean, my goodness, they are strong, strong uh, warnings and um, very powerful language written here. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. I'm not so sure that the book referred to there uh, is the book of life, so... I, I think we'd be speculating there. Um, so in any case, we have uh, we have a number of passages uh, from Exodus chapter 32, uh, verses 32 to 33, Psalm 69, verse 28, Psalm 139, verse 16, Philippians 4 and 3, and Revelation, uh, you have it in chapter 3, chapter 13, chapter 17, chapter 20, and chapter 21. I would safely say chapter 22 is not referring to that. Um, so what do we do with it? Uh, well, uh, here's, here's I think, the best way to understand this. Um, if the book of life is, uh, I think most people would say, it's the book of the saved. It is the people who know Jesus. It is the people who are redeemed. It is the people who are his, the people who are born again, the people who have Jesus. If that's what the book of life is, and that's the names, so-called, who are in it, whether we're talking about a physical book or we're just talking about the fact that God knows each and every person who is his, then we should rejoice because uh, when God has you, he has you. And you've got to work pretty, pretty hard uh, to get away from him. I know some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, you haven't really answered the question, can God blot your name out of his book? Well, I suppose he can. I mean, uh, Moses certainly thought he could. Uh, some stuff in the book of Revelation seems to indicate that he can. Um, but who would want that, right? Uh, when you when you serve God, you want to serve Him with all your heart, uh, but you also don't want to be afraid that, you know, you did something wrong and now He's blotted your name out. I think you've got to work really, really hard to get away from God 
once you know him, can you reject him? Can you walk away from him? I, th- I think that there's some validity to that. We certainly do see some examples of people even today uh, in the in recent days and months, uh, people who have abandoned their faith and walked away from their Christianity and deconstructed, as it were, their faith. They say they're no longer Christian. They go on record saying they're no longer Christian. Are their names still in the book of life? Well, I leave that to God. Uh, but once you know him and you know him personally, and your salvation is authentic and genuine. Wow, you got to work pretty hard uh, to jump out of his hand, as it were. Um, you know, there are different schools of thought on this. Some people say it's impossible, some don't. I think, in my view, we have enough in the Scripture to say that, yeah, if you really don't want the Lord anymore, and you want to walk away, you're free to do so. But you've got to work pretty pretty hard to do that. Um, so I think we should look at it as a positive thing. Uh, our names are in the book when we know Christ. I think that would be a safe interpretation of this. And um, I, I think that's worthy of, of excitement and of joy and of celebration. He knows your name. He keeps good books. He's a great accountant. Uh, he's He's the... He, he has every every hair on your head counted, you know. He he knows everything about you, and uh, so that's why it's important. You know, you need to you need to be sure of your salvation. You need to be confident in your salvation. Uh, even yesterday during the service, you know, we prayed at the end because we want people to be sure that they know Christ, and maybe. Uh, sometimes we lack that assurance. Well, you just need to call out to God. You just need to say, Lord, uh, I just want you first in my life again. And um, I want you to be first and foremost and the priority of my life. And, uh, you, you know, you need to be confident in that. The Bible teaches that we can be confident that we know Christ, we know him now, we have eternal life now. Uh, John put it this way, and we mentioned it in our service yesterday. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It doesn't say he who feels like he has the Son has life. No, he who has the Son. How do you know you have the Son? Well, you ask him. Uh, John chapter 1, you believe, you receive, and you become a child of God. And he puts your name in his book. And you're going to have to work pretty hard <laughs> to, to jump out uh, of his care and of his hand. All right. Uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, Pastor, I'm afraid I, I'm afraid I lost my salvation. I'm afraid I'm, I, I'm losing it or I've lost it. And the first thing I say to them is, well, I don't think you have, because if you if you if you had, you wouldn't be afraid that you had. Um, you know, people say also, uh, I think I may have committed the unpardonable sin, I'm afraid. I say, well, no, you haven't, because if you did, you wouldn't be afraid. You wouldn't even be talking to me, right? So uh, just just keep on keeping on. I think those of you who are watching are probably, you know, church folks and people of faith. Well, keep on keeping on and be secure and be confident in your salvation, because God's got your name in his book. Let me pray for you, Lord. I pray for the people who are watching right now, people who are going to watch later, people who are going to listen later. 
in the name of Jesus, that we would be challenged and motivated to uh, prioritize you first. There are so many things that can take your place, but Lord, we want you first. We want you as our king on the throne of our hearts that we may be confident and joyful in our salvation. We pray to that end. Amen. Well, God bless you tonight, and thank you for checking in. Uh, Once again, I'll put it up on the screen here so you can see this great tool, but they call this a concordance. All right, this is a big, thick one. You can get one online. I highly recommend them. Uh, It takes a bit of an art to learn how to use them. Um, And I would also recommend um, Bibles that are cross-reference Bibles. Uh, A cross-reference Bible, um, usually paper Bibles, it's easier to find a cross-reference than it is an electronic cross-reference Bible, although I think they do exist. But I have a paper cross-reference Bible, and, you know, every verse will have a cross-reference uh, basically, they're just using computers to cross-reference same similar phrases, similar concepts, and those can be fun because you can find uh, different references to something quickly uh, without the use of a concordance. Sometimes it leads you on a wild goose chase. Uh, sometimes it doesn't, however. So I could have found all of those verses without using a concordance, just using uh, my cross-reference Bible. So again, you take the difficult passage, you try and follow it through the rest of Scripture the best way you can, and you come to the best conclusion that you can. And that's how you deal with some of these tough uh, uh, passages and concepts that you wrestle with as you read the Scripture. Uh, But uh, until we meet again, uh, God bless you. We will be online on Sunday streaming from the theater. And then back in person on the 30th of May. We'll set you up with registration for that shortly. But uh, until we meet again, God bless you. And remember, on Wednesday night, we have our video Bible study using Zoom, talking about the early church and what it was like to live back then. Uh, Really great stuff that we're looking at on Wednesday night. All right, so God bless you, everyone. Thank you for hanging in tonight. Uh, All three of you who are on, you've hung, you've stayed right in there. So God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. Enjoy the beautiful weather, everyone.